everyone, and welcome to the Nostalgia Effect, the podcast where we examine movies from our childhood through the lens of adulthood. As always, you got me, Amy, and Joe, and Johnny. Hello. Hello. And it's Valentine's Day tomorrow, the stupidest day of the year. It's Valentine's. I think it's weird when people say Valentine's. Yeah. yeah. Do people above the age of eight say Valentine's? Yes. Ooh. Grown as people. I, yes. Oh, no. Unfortunately. I want to correct them, but at the same time, I'm like, you should know by now. <laughs> it's not my job. I think they think they're being cute when they're not. No, I think they're dumb. It's like people who say pumpkin instead of pumpkin. Yeah, or library. Oh, yeah. I used to say strawberry. I think that's just a, your stress on different syllables. It was a speech impediment thing. Yeah, I was like, I might just be like a Midwest thing. <laughs> no, because I remember every time I would say strawberry, my sisters would sit down and be like, it's straw. Berry, and I would say strawberry, and I would say strawberry. Stra I think that's how the British say it. I'm going to blame Harry Potter here. Maybe. Well, anyways, for this Valentine's Day. Good old VD. Skipping, yeah, yeah. talking trailers, VD and day. we're watching a... I guess you would call this a romantic comedy? You would call it a romantic dramedy. Actually, I don't know. But if you look it up on, I'm looking it up on the Google right now. It says romance slash drama, which is interesting because there's not, I would say it's a romantic comedy more so than anything else. Yeah. We are talking about Juno. The not 2007 Alaska. hit Juno, Alaska. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. The, Juno. The Oscar winning film. Yeah. Juno. Yeah. Diablo yes. Cody's first script, right? Yes. That was his first one. and Actually, this movie, I guess if we want to start talking about it, because we've all seen it, I'm assuming. Yes, I saw it in theaters. Yes, I saw the theaters. Yeah, I think I did too. But I love this movie so much that you guys, listener, can't see this, but the guys can. This was my birthday present from my mom. The Juno DVD with... Diablo Cody's Oscar winning screenplay. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. This is the shooting script. Oh, huh. nice. But yeah, I was like obsessed with this movie when I was 17, 18. Yeah. This was like right before I started getting jaded by rom-coms. So you saw this in theaters. Presumably you saw this by yourself because I can't imagine your parents taking you to this. No, I, I had friends. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, I had friends. <laughs> she was allowed to leave the house. All right. She had a social life. A small social life. But I mean, we would go to movies sometimes. <laughs> Not often. So you, even as an adolescent, you still weren't going to movies as much as you are doing no. so now. Mm -mm. Interesting. Interesting. I think I really just went to like Harry Potter and then uh, I remember seeing Juno in theaters, Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, and like maybe a couple other things. Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, another real winner. Yeah. Oh, I, I forgot that was a thing. I didn't want to see it. I was forced to see that movie, but Diego Luna was so. Yep. Interesting. I haven't seen it since... 2007? Fair well, enough. Well, you know what's funny about 2007, because I was thinking about this yesterday, is uh, it's basically right before the movie industry really changed. It's mm -hmm. the year before both Iron Man and The Dark Knight. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, this was, I mean, this was like a hit, but it was definitely an indie. It's, an indie. it's I mean, it's a Fox Searchlight movie. Yeah. It, this is Jason Reitman, right? Right. Am I right? Yes. This is his second, right? Well, he'd done Thank You for Smoking. Yeah, he'd done Thank You for Smoking before that. Yeah. And then Juno after. Right? And then Up in the Air after that. Yeah, I mean, all great films. But yeah, I do remember seeing this movie in theaters. I went to go see it with my then girlfriend. I think I had seen Thank You for Smoking before this. Uh -huh. I really liked that movie. And it was the same director, so I gotta check it out. Yeah. Uh, but this is definitely kicks off hipster, indie, quirky, folksy scene vibe. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely, maybe just because it came out in 2017, I was seven, it's a 17-year-old. It was maybe the first time I had any awareness of this sort of aesthetic, yeah. call it. Right? Yeah, because like, I think shortly after this, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist came out. 
that has a very similar vibe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just because it's Michael Sarah, but it's got that like folksy kind of well, that's more quirky rock. couple. But the quirk, thing. yeah, yeah. And also, you had immediately preceding this by I think two years, you had Little Miss Sunshine, mm-hmm. which was another mm-hmm. indie darling film that everybody yeah. liked and won a lot of awards. But yeah, they, they have they have that aesthetic of sort of indie music soundtrack and people who are living in sort of a quasi 80s transitional home that is kind of ugly it is often peopled with non i don't want to say not good looking people because that's not true but more interesting looking or more ordinary looking people yeah i was to say they're awkward yeah it's awkward or unique yes 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 i guess a more relatable kind of image yeah 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 Exactly. Yeah, I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But then, like, a good transition from the awkward kind of thing, but still being an indie movie, is like 500 Days of Summer, which is like two years later. Mm-hmm. With 500 Days of Summer, mm-hmm. it's got that quirky feel, but yeah. it's also got the, quote, traditional movie star looks people playing the main character. Yeah, nothing awkward or yeah. interesting looking about JGL or yeah. Zooey Deschanel. Yeah, Juno specifically skews younger, right? It's about, like, kids. Teenagers. I don't know how old Elliot Page and Michael Sarah were when they filmed They're these. about... Early 20s, um, I would think. I think both of them are about... They're about Joe's age. No, I'm 37. They're like in between us. Because I think oh, I'm... Oh, then. I was going to be like, there's no yeah, way they were 37 then. then. When, when they <laughs> shot this. Like, I would imagine. Yes. It, it had to be like in their early 20s, right? Maybe even younger than that? I don't know. Well... No, because I, I do think that both Michael Sarah and Elliot Page are a couple years older than you and I, Johnny, or closer to... Elliot Page is three years older than you guys. Michael Sarah is two years older than you guys. Yeah, so okay, like so early 20s. They're like both right in between the two of us. The three of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would have been like super young, early 20s, doing this. And obviously, it was a hit movie and it took off and it launched Diablo Cody's career. Mm-hmm. And it was also sort of the first time becoming aware of this quirkier side of weird films made by weird people. Yes, <laughs> I guess you featuring could, yeah. say weird that. people. When everyone's just being weird, it's very like the dialogue in this movie. I mean, that's the thing that when I heard the, the Oscars after watching this movie, you were like, whoa, like they talked really like that, like they talked really weird, but mm-hmm. also cool. But like it was like a thing, you know? Yeah. And then it had then been like sort of parody afterwards which is how you know something like gets incredibly big when it when it starts to get parodied in the next uh sort of the next year or the next cycle of things. yeah yeah i honestly don't remember much about this i have not watched this since probably 2008 2009 oh okay it was like pre me hating rom-coms the last time i watched this the last time you watched it did you watch it on your fancy dvd yes i did okay johnny how about you when was the last time you saw this i don't know but i also have the dvd of it it's not as quite as fancy as amy's dvd the regular DVD. Right. But I don't remember the last time I watched this all the way through. I'm sure like if it was on HBO or something, mm-hmm. I'd like maybe put it on. But it has been a very, very long time. But I, I do like, I do remember watching this movie a lot because I really like Jason Reitman. And yep. so I, I watched like a lot mm-hmm. of his movies all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I remember a lot of it. I don't feel like it's a movie where a lot of things happen in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. it's, I, I just remember it being like sort of funny. More character than plot driven. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. she's pregnant and then she meets the people and then she gives them the baby and then then that's it yeah yeah what about you joe i definitely saw it in theaters i probably saw it a subsequent time but i don't remember honestly so only maybe like one or two times total yeah i remember diablo cody i remember jason reitman i recall kind of what johnny said Mm -hmm. honestly i actually forgot about the the adoption part (laughs) (laughs) that's like the main plot point of this i know i remember the setup basically Mm -hmm. and at the time when i saw it I, i thought like that was good but i think it was maybe also a movie that i thought that was good 
I'm good now. I've seen it once. Yeah, you're like, I don't have to see it, it again. It feels like a precursor to an A24. And so I'm like, mm. like I was half expecting you to say you didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Or you were just like kind of on the fence about it. No, I definitely wasn't that. But I do think there's a lot of movies that fall into this category of movies that I mm-hmm. saw and liked, but then also never saw again. So then maybe the question can be asked, how much did I actually really like it? Yeah, yeah that's kind of the question I think I'm going into this with too. Yeah. It's sort of more just like, you know, there's some movies that you watch and then they sort of become a part of your personality they yeah. come they sort of they, they capture your imagination and, yeah and then there's other movies where you watch and we'll be like oh i enjoyed it i i can see that it's very good that it was well made but it didn't really it didn't affect me in that way yeah. it didn't stick with me right mm-hmm. definitely it's interesting when we go back and like sort of check out things like that um because most of the time some more yeah, it depends most of the, sometimes it's like that was not good i did yeah. not like that <laughs> or it has yeah. other that, times like, you're like, like yeah you uh, like dodgeball you know when we did the dodgeball when i was like this was a lot funnier when i was 14 yeah. yeah yeah but then in this one i'm like you know you know we'll see i don't know amy i think i think this one for sure seems like one that you would have watched a lot it was yeah considering i that watched you it had a lot up DVD. until like college mm-hmm. so interesting i'm interesting to get you guys' take on it because i feel like one like amy this one probably affected a good amount of like your not style but like your aesthetic maybe even or just the things I, you know in, in t- especially in filmmaking when you were just starting to get into it like you know could have yeah. determined that and i'm interested joe it doesn't sound like it played that much of a, a you know a role not in at the all whole thing so yeah. i'm wondering what you guys take will be away from this mm-hmm. yeah so are we ready to uh dive into it oh yes i just nodded and then i, I think i pulled something <laughs> you gotta <laughs> oh, warm up before you're getting you agree. old i know what the fuck <laughs> All right, let's do it. Before we watch the movie, a quick word from our sponsors. And now, our feature presentation. And we're back. We are back. We have come back from a trip to 2007. We have surfaced. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a long time ago now. I always think this is really useful to put these kinds of things in perspective. Like I said, th- this was before the kind of movies that are served the to us. The franchising yeah. of well, movies. Uh, franchising had been around for a while. I mean, it, it's always been around, but it's now it's like your movie is either a mega franchise or it's a indie darling or it goes straight to streaming. Yeah, it's important that we caveat that indie darling with indie darling that few people have seen or even had the chance to see. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this was an indie darling that lots of people saw. It got a wide release yeah. in movie theaters. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to think about historical yeah. industry context. Yeah. But it's I mean, also to like, that point, this is a fun fact. I don't think I pulled it, but I remember reading it. This is the highest grossing Oscar nominated film of all time, I believe. Wait, what? Mm, no. Highest grossing like in the Screenwriting. I don't. I. I literally. I am pulling that out of my memory. I am looking it up. Okay. So I was gonna say like anything James Cameron has done has had to have done better than Juno, Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah, it was like the highest grossing Oscar nominated something. Ah, uh, I'll be interested to see what the actual thing is. But like historically, like I was talking about, think about think about where the world was. George W. Bush was still president. We hadn't even had Barack Obama yet. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's that feels like an entirely different world away, worlds away even. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So here is my correction. It was the highest grossing film of all five Best Picture nominees of 2008. Ah. And that's the thing. Only five Best Pictures. How many are there now? There are oh, eight yeah. or nine Best Picture nominees now. Amy well, does- isn't it like eight to ten? But isn't it because of The Dark Knight? Yeah, yes. because people still to this day think that it should have, and it should have. That's why I think Oscars should be only awarded ten years after the fact. Like if people still remember <laughs> and think about the movie, then it gets an award. So let's look at what the other films were. It was No Country for Old Men. I mean, no Catching with the Old Men was the one that won. Yeah. Which is, I'll give you that one. That one is Michael good. Clayton. Eh. There Will Be Blood, Atonement, and Juno. There Will Be Blood, Juno, and No Country or Old Men. The only ones that had an impact <laughs> or made a last. And those are the only ones I've seen. So it's just kind of interesting to think about what else was floating around out there at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, it was different because even like in this tech, I mean, obviously there's no social media in this movie. Right. They're teenagers, but no they don't really phones. interact. There's no really cell phones mm-hmm. either. It's an interesting look at it because I don't know, we've just been, we're so far removed from it now yeah. that when you were a teenager, that's how it was, you know, mm-hmm. except for maybe mm-hmm. the cell phone part really. Yeah. And it's supposed to be, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to, I mean, it's supposed to take place in like contemporary time. So like 2007. I think it takes place in its own time. Yeah. It's like a timeless thing because yeah. Juno's house, it is like Joe had said earlier, it's like kind of 80s ish. The van that she drives is like 90s ish. Mm-hmm. But then like Mark and Vanessa's house is ultra modern. Right. Yeah. But Mark shows her what wizard of gore on take it mm-hmm. they're it like tape? his it's vhs and you can see all of the vhs tapes that are but that seems more that's more just like an indie kind of thing that just seems like more of uh, like his character Hipster. where he's just he yeah he's, very analog yeah he's analog he's sort of stunted he's that's what he doesn't want to you know he doesn't want to grow but yeah, it does have like a timeless quality to it it has a timeless quality but it feels very mid early 2000s yeah yeah there's the turn of the century feel it is yeah it is a turn of the century feel <laughs> It also has the most, like the indiest of indie soundtracks. It is oh, yeah. almost oh, yeah. to the point where it's like, hey, listen to these people who can barely sing, sing a song to you. Like it's a really specific branch of indie music. When I was rewatching it this time around, I had forgotten how important the music was. Yeah. Not only important, but also me and my then girlfriend were like super into like the soundtracks. We were uh-huh. just listening to the soundtrack mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. You were rocking the Decemberists. I mean, I still rock the Decemberists to this day, <laughs> but the track that they sing at the very end and it comes throughout the movie, yeah. we would listen to that one a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, this movie, like the soundtrack was really big. And speaking of earlier, you were talking about 500 Dicks of Summer. That's another mm-hmm. soundtrack that mm-hmm. sort of followed in the same vein of this one, mm-hmm. where it's like the songs became, if you were younger and you were into that stuff, that's what you were like, oh, I got to listen to this weird band. Yeah. I mean, my alarm since I think like. 2009-2010 has been Hollow Notes You Make My Dreams Come True because of 500 Days of Summer. Mm. Like I was obsessed with that entire soundtrack. But it was funny because speaking of this, the, the music, I remember when I had it on DVD, I think my mom watched it. Afterwards, she was like, what kind of music is this? Like what type mm-hmm. of... What, she's like, I'd never heard like music like that. Yeah. And I had a hard time explaining it to her because I didn't, I didn't fucking know either. Like indie folk yeah. rock music mm-hmm. and she was yeah. like oh she's like it's not bad but it's just, just weird yeah yeah <laughs> and i just yeah. uh, i it's... just remember having that experience like having to explain to my mother what indie folk rock music was yeah it's really lo-fi kind of lo-fi that's the yeah. word that i'm looking for mm-hmm. yeah yeah but yeah uh so what you guys think what what thoughts assailed your brains i think it's still good but more as a time capsule of the 2000s mm-hmm. i had the reaction to it that i knew i would probably have where it is a good film mm. but i have that residual i don't like rom-com f- 
feelings towards it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so but it's like, not. I mean, I don't know. It's I, not as rom commy as it probably could be. It's almost no romance. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, this is more of a drama comedy, really. And I would say more comedy. Yeah, because their relationship is confusing, and I mean, yeah. they are they are not together during the most of the movie. Most of the movie, yeah. they weren't together before the movie. Not really. No, they weren't. They were friends. Yeah. There's like a casual disregard for any sort of emotion from especially Juno. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it sort of goes back to like just being an immature teenager, really. Yeah. Yeah, that may be what it is. It mm-hmm. may be like the cringy annoyingness of them being teens yeah. and like yeah. not knowing what the fuck they're doing. At all. I actually have I mean, that yeah. in my notes. I have all the kids act and think like stupid kids. There's the bit where yeah. Juno and her yeah. friend are on the park bench being really cavalier talking about finding like people in the penny saver to take this unwanted baby. And yeah. there's they have no sense of any kind of reality yeah no well and then like juno's weird creepy relationship with mark Uh this is the first time i was like i could kind of see from his perspective him not want ready to be a dad and like wanting a divorce and kind of seeing his perspective on things versus yeah being using juno as the eyes and being upset like she is Mm -hmm. that he's leaving vanessa yeah yeah well i mean he's a shitty person I'm not saying he's not a shitty person about it. It's not the route that I would take, but I can see and understand. You get it. it, Because we're watching it now sort of more as an adult living in like an adult world and Mm -hmm. and sort of processing things as an adult. Whereas the last time you saw it, you probably were still... Not far off in age from these characters. Yeah. 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 My Um, my frontal lobe was still forming. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I actually, I enjoyed this. I I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it's a very sweet movie. It's Mm -hmm. a very sweet... Mm -hmm. It's like a warm hug. Yeah. um, And it's funny a lot of the jokes still landed for me because they're not super i mean sometimes they get referential but i find them to be sort of like timeless things like when she shouts like thundercats or go yeah like that's Mm -hmm. just always funny i forgot that rain wilson was in it for a little bit yeah Yeah. i did not remember at all he was in it i think this was before the office no no? It was 2007. No, it's the oh, Office, office Start 2005. The office yeah, Office Start in 2005. Okay. 2005. Yeah. It's very much a indie story and that not a lot happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she gets pregnant and like that sp- the t- passage of time happens because we have to get through nine months of pregnancy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I find the character of Juno to be, even though she is very naive and stupid and kind of like a kid, you know, she, she plays, they, she plays a kid really well. Yes. Um, or Mm-hmm. They or play a kid he, very well. Yeah, I don't know what the pronouns are. I think for Juno, Juno is she, but the character Page she, but yeah, the plays. The actor. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. She has these qualities of a kid growing up, really, but she's also pretty mature about some of the situations. Like, obviously, mm. it's pregnancy, and she does it. She can't really raise a kid. She's, I think she says she's like 16. Yeah. yeah. And so the whole thing I found to be really sweet. I was mm-hmm. like, this is this is a yeah. nice, heartwarming movie, and I, can, I see why it was a big hit. Yeah. It's a crowd-pleasing movie. What about you, Joe? Like I said, I remember my initial reaction first time I saw it was that I liked mm-hmm. it, but I think I also wasn't thinking really too hard about some of the themes, specifically specifically pregnancy and everything yeah. else. Now I'm so much more entrenched entrenched in my anti-baby yeah. feelings. Mm. Well, and it's also just like a huge thing within our culture right now. Right. So for me on a personal level, listen, health class got me really well, guys. I 
am fully indoctrinated in the, oh no, do not get pregnant. Like I have friends who are married, plan to have children, do have children. And when they say I'm pregnant, my first thought is always, oh no, what are you going to do? Mm. On a personal level, the movie is a nightmare scenario. And mm. that's stressful and uncomfortable for me. Mm. On another personal level, I find pregnancy to be both weird and kind of gross and something that I have no desire to deal with, which is part of the reason why well, I do not. Well, you are also a male. Yeah, exactly. But I, like, I have no desire to be involved in a pregnancy in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's just a whole situation you'd rather just not I even would, step I into. I don't want to be a part just of it. Just think about how the women feel. I Well, you know what? Well, they, they, people well, keep to... coming out of other people, so the women must feel I mean, differently. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean, there are yeah. people, I know, there. Are, my, my youngest sister, she is so thrilled to be whenever to be a mom i'm like keep it 30 feet away from me <laughs> yeah. a football field Jesus. away from me yeah it's your niece or nephew come on man no the baby is fine i don't want that going on inside of me <laughs> yeah so there's that it's also so hard I, I, do you, I don't know if you guys remember when we did the love actually episode and there was oh, there I was we'll never forget that yeah there's so much so much like additional baggage that you guys brought into the movie that only comes mm -hmm. with time mm -hmm. i think this movie's got a lot of baggage because now there's so much about pregnancy and women's rights things that were a thing then but not as mm -hmm. much now not as much to the forefront now and so i found mm -hmm. myself irrationally angry at i think her name is su chen the girl who was protesting outside of the yeah. women now center mm -hmm. and there was a little part of me that was like fuck this girl this anti-abortion protester person who has no idea what somebody's going through and why they might need something like this yeah so that's baggage that the movie does not have is not trying to present but it's well, something that I is have a now i have a, a fun thing. fact on that mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. um, that I'll get to. No, go um, But I do love to point out that one, they did, that was an option at first. Yeah. Um, like that was her first decision was to go to a clinic. And when is she's telling her dad and her stepmother? They ask her Grin's about it, first yeah. reaction is to offer up like, did you think of going another route? Did yes. you think of the other option? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Unless you're like super religious. Which, I mean, it's hard to find. I, I, uh, we can get into the topic of women, of people trying to control women's reproductive systems. Yeah. But I feel yeah. like if you have a daughter and she's a teenager and she gets pregnant, one of your first thoughts is going to be like, well, have we tried this? Yes. <laughs> is this a, is yeah. this a road we want to go down? Right. You know, we should we should maybe think about this. And they do. And, they, you know, and they do in this story. And it's interesting that scene with because it's just it's not like it's a bunch of people protesting outside of this right, she's women's alone. clinic. It's this one lone yeah, person. Yeah, it yeah. does seem like she doesn't know either. She's just regurgitating things right. that other people yeah. have told her or whatever. And this could be like my background growing up, but Juno's rationality for wanting to have the baby is I am able to bring this baby to its full life and mm. give it to someone who actually needs and wants a baby that can't have one. Right. And that's why she picks Mark and Vanessa is because they can't have kids of their own. She gets scared when she goes into the clinic that she decides not to actually do it and then we'll go through with the pregnancy right like no matter what either having an abortion or carrying a baby to term either decision is a staggering amount of responsibility and yeah yeah it's, it's a big decision yeah no matter body. what it's a big decision it takes a toll on your body because you know she is sort of this immature kid that probably should i mean you know if 
you would think her being as how immature she is and how lightly she takes most things and she, you know we tell you talked earlier about like there's no real emotion to her really it's kind mm-hmm. of sort of like surface level jokes and then you know quick whips and stuff like that that she chooses the decision she makes the decision to be like not take the easy way out of just getting an abortion and yeah. being like okay well i have an opportunity here to do something you know to give you know like amy said to give it to people who can't have it and that's mm-hmm. an interesting decision to make because i have a friend who was a surrogate mm-hmm. and that was an mm-hmm. interesting i had to talk with her about it and she was just telling me like you know why she did it and like you know obviously she wasn't a teenager she was a grown woman who yeah. had already had kids of her own but it was still just like it's still like a heavy decision to make definitely even though she's going about it like very much as a child would and not really thinking about it or you know she's just like oh when she meets vanessa and she's just like oh that's that's who it is and and it's like especially you can tell when she makes up her mind is when they're in the mall and she sees vanessa playing with like some other kid Mm -hmm. they're just like watching her and the camera lingers a little bit and then she's like oh yeah that's that's the mom that's who should have the baby right you know right yeah and then after the um fight like after mark tells her that he's gonna divorce vanessa and she runs out of the house she's like laying on the car at the gas station and then she like pulls that Jiffy Lubricy and writes the note on it to Vanessa that you see at the very end of the film mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. she's like, even though he's an asshole, I will still be here for you. You can still have this child because you deserve it because yeah. you are going to be an amazing mother. Yeah. Well, and so that's that's actually another thing. I don't know how I felt then but i certainly know how i feel now um and watching mark and vanessa i found based on on who i am somebody who Mm -hmm. is not interested in having kids and and like vocal about it where mark should have probably been Mm -hmm. i would have found somebody like vanessa to honestly be a nightmare i found her to be uncomfortably desperate to be a mom which is a mindset that i'll never understand Mm -hmm. i understand that there are people who want different things than i do that's what makes us all unique and wonderful but she is desperate for this thing in a way that makes me very uncomfortable a thing that i am not interested in but i mean i think the desperation comes from the failed attempts yes right like they had been trying Mm -hmm. and they they even had somebody lined up to do to give you know it still fell through and and it fell through so she has she's been through the ringer yeah another thing you can point to like mark being immature and not truly not being an adult sort of being stunted in that way where he doesn't say out loud that he doesn't want to have kids that he doesn't want to be a parent right i think that that's something that as you were saying that joe where it's like that's something that you would talk to a potential future spouse oh, yeah. or part life partner about you make that thing and clear. i think maybe maybe that's something that they had talked about and he was ready for it but either the failed the multiple failed attempts the failed adoption mm-hmm. and then also meeting juno has kind of shifted his perspective and been like maybe i am not ready right because i know in my life i was very staunchly like i don't want to have kids and then i met someone and i was like oh maybe i do but then as time has gone on since that i have realized no i really do not want kids right right well i know people who were just as anti their own children as me and then they found somebody that they ended up deciding yes no i mm-hmm. didn't want kids but i want a kid with this person and that's mm-hmm. that's a change that happens yeah you find the person that makes you want to carry on your lineage yeah where sarah and i both like we love each other so much and we know that we don't want to have kids together we just want e- we yeah. just want each other to ourselves but the thing is is like you look at mark and you see there are things that vanessa has and i'm not trying to paint her as a villain because she cares more about being a mother than she, she cares about what her husband wants and her husband cares more about being a rock star what than wants. what his i mean wife he cares wants. more about what he wants yeah. than what his 
family wants. You know? Exactly. Or like his wife. Yeah. yeah. So they're both working across purposes here. There's things like she lets him have a room in the house that's his. Everything else is mm. her and it's restrained and it's all white and it's all prim and proper and everything about him is in a box. Mm. He's stuck in a box. Mm. And then when he even says that thing about she doesn't like when I'm not working all day because I'm not contributing, but it's like, God damn it. A thing that he did paid for a kitchen. Kitchens are like I mean, 25 he, to forty thousand yeah. dollars like he's contributing yeah. it's just it's she, like i expect she's probably an accountant or a lawyer or something like that and mm. she's one of those adults that i label as having gone through soul death there's even that bit where mm. she says grow up and it's like i hate hate when people in real life say grow up it's like you know what fuck you mm -hmm. you are only young once but you can be immature forever and if there's things that you like that are childish that's okay there's nothing wrong with that she feels like one of those adults that sucks all the fun out of life i mean yeah, yeah there at some point the switch goes off where it's like you can't be you have to be serious uh, responsible yeah. yeah serious yeah there's no room for fun joy or silliness or not joy but silliness or whimsy you know playfulness yeah whimsy yeah um it's all down serious yeah brass tacks and equally like fuck this mark guy because he wasn't man enough to say no i i this is who i am i want me to be as represented in this whole thing as you are mm -hmm. and that's cowardless that's what that is it's cowardice yeah and i think that's also something that we don't get like we don't get the history of their relationship right. outside of the fact that they tried multiple times to have a child and they had an adopter lined up yeah because you know that could be something that is a trauma response from vanessa right like her becoming so responsible and like shutting everything else out out right is a trauma response to her not being able to get this one thing right in their past like i had said earlier it's like he could have really wanted a child and then she could have been totally like different mm -hmm. and it's just over time that's what happens yeah like like if it had been easier his response to the trauma was to regress and to not be and to, to essentially lose interest in the venture and mm -hmm. her response was to grab on and hold tighter to that dream. Yeah. And then, then, then that pushes people apart, especially these two people, it pushes them apart. I did think it was interesting too. I don't, I, this is not a thing that I think I would no typically notice, but the first time we meet him, he's wearing like, I think slacks and a nice sweater Run and down. all these things. But then yeah. subsequent times when we see him, he gets more and more casual to the point where he's wearing a t-shirt that Vanessa says is stupid. And he's dressed more like mm -hmm. a teenager. And like you see clothing wise, his, ah, his yeah. regression, regression into something like, that's more youthful. But he's also got a weird relationship with Juno. He's like trying, uh, he's like trying. Yeah. yeah. It's very strange. And I think there's, I don't know if this is in a deleted scene or if I think, I, I think I missed it, but there is a scene you see Juno after she's already given the baby away and yeah. she runs into him mark at like a video store like she sees him with like a younger girl uh-huh interesting he's just dating like these younger girls yeah within his apartment and the city or whatever mm -hmm. when i first saw this movie i had like i was like that's weird right but as we've like sort of evolved is a weird word but as we've sort of gone through time it's coming to light more like the things that people do the inappropriate things that people do like grooming you know we, right that's a big word that, that's a word that gets thrown around a lot yes but that you could see essentially like oh that is kind of it's not so overt i don't think not on as his menacing part. yeah yeah it's not as menacing yeah. but there is something still gross to it where you're just like hmm it is her like she's the one that's she she's the one that's going over there and calling him right she's advancing yeah in her mind i don't even think 
think she really knows what she's no, doing either. She's just that immature where she's just like, oh, well, I'm just going with, you know, she even has that talk with Alice and Janney, her stepmom. Mm. And she's just like, you can't just go and hang out with him. Right. Like, he's like a married person. Like, right. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's an also an interesting parallel with her friend who is openly thirsting over older guys. Like they're oh, teacher. the teacher. The old fat <laughs> yeah. teacher. That is a funny bit, though, just because he is old and fat. And <laughs> she's like, he's so hot. Yeah, and thankfully he's not reciprocating. Like, he is just yeah, being a normal also, teacher talking to kid, teacher. his student. Yeah. I'm trying to find the actual thing in the screenplay, but I don't remember what page it's on, but it's when they actually, like, watch the movie. Uh-huh. And there is a screen direction on here where it says, you see the, the thing on the TV, and then it cuts to them on the couch sitting unnaturally close or something like that. Uncomfortably mm. close? Uncomfortably close, mm. Yeah. And then there's another um, stage direction on here where they're dancing and like Juno puts her hands on his hips. Yeah. The first time when she goes over, it feels like she just needs to assuage her fear about the couple not being cool. So she's wanting mm-hmm. to learn more about them. And it's sort of okay because they're just talking about music and movies. And I think the first time is innocent enough. Mm-hmm. But the second time when they're dancing, I don't know, belly to belly, essentially, that's when it's yeah. like, that's too much far too much yeah. but then she also calls him from school yeah that's yeah. true and yeah. on a payphone, she mm-hmm. like calls him before before that scene right that's when he's like i'm gonna leave her and then his reaction where he's like oh i thought you would be, be cool happy with this. about this yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i thought you'd be cool with this which is like that, that's you're like wait what why would she be cool with that she's trying to give the baby to like a family right, right. that's yeah. her whole yeah. reason mm-hmm. for for choosing them it's like oh they're like the perfect couple blah 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 right so that's just interesting that his his mind i wore where his mind's at like oh you're just as naive and immature as, as she is but you're an adult <laughs> even more so really yeah yeah well you guys ready for some recastings and fun facts or you guys got other thoughts sound like you seemed like you had another thought joe there is one other thing that i want to bring up between this movie nick and Nora's infinite playlist scott pilgrim there's probably other stuff in there that i, I can't think of straight you don't away like michael sarah it's not that i don't like michael sarah it's that there was this span of time where movies were like this dude is the shit women love this guy and i like I have no like I'm not interested in men but if I was it wouldn't be him and I said as much to Sarah and she said he is the dude version of the manic pixie dream girl no that I was like literally I was just gonna say that like he is my Zoe Deschanel <laughs> that's interesting in high that. school and like early college I will admit I did have a thing for Michael Sarah. right but also I did have a thing for like those tall gangly boys like indie boys yeah she saw this movie and she was like i want to get pregnant by, by this that guy, guy. <laughs> and the thing yes, is me. <laughs> the thing is i think the other part of that is most this is only a not a rule but a, a just an observation that it seems like most girls typically don't care for the manic pixie dream girl and so i think it's probably equally true that most guys don't care for the the dude version of whatever that term is although maybe i'm an exception to that rule i love zoe deschanel Mm -hmm. she's a poster girl for the manic pixie dream girl she is yeah i mean i think michael sarah is really funny i mean i i liked all his movies i mean he was great in arrested development super bad that was like my high school movie he was good in this is the end where he's a real scumbag oh yeah he's playing like a real scumbag version of himself I find Michael Sarah is a much better scumbag because just want to give it to him. You really want a punchable face. He's got a punchable got face. A punch- yeah. But I just think it's funny that there was this point in time, and I don't know, maybe Michael Sarah still is considered this sex god. But there was a span where it was like this Hollywood really, really pushing the the Michael Sarah fan club. I never understood it. Well, I just think he was on a roll. His movies were making money, I suppose. Yeah, right? yeah. Because he doesn't seem like 
I don't know, he seems just like a regular person, but that's not like this thing in real life, you know? Yeah. Like, this is like a character that he was like doing and then maybe got sick of doing it, which is why we don't see him in stuff all that much anymore. Right, because that's all that the roles are, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that, I just wanted to bring that up. But yes, Amy, I'm ready for fun facts and recastings if Johnny is. Okay, so these are a couple uh, actors kind of just wanting to be in the film. Uh, J.K. Simmons said that he was so impressed with the script that he would have been happy to just play a teacher who had no spoken dialogue huh. and uh, anything just to appear in the film. That's hilarious, because he's great in this movie. Which we didn't talk about how great J.K. Simmons and Allison Janney are. Ja- I mean, yeah, Janney they are and Simmons really great. Are so good. And then also Jennifer Garner dropped her A-list salary a percentage to a percentage point uh, in agreement for this when it was expected to be a small low grossing indie film but the decision paid off when it became a smash hit Uh and gave garner her best payday yet nice she's great she's great in it i I, just because i don't like the character i it doesn't mean i don't think she's wonderful in the movie no she did a great like it's a testament to her acting because yeah you don't like this character because of how good her acting is yeah and it's like i don't like the character but i also feel sympathy for the character so it's yeah it's a well it's a well nuanced role yeah, I mean, J.K. Simmons is really good. I remember when I was watching this, the first time I watched this movie, like in the theaters, I was like, that's like a really good dad. It's yeah. like a really good mm-hmm. portrayal of a father. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I don't know what that is, but it looks yeah. it same. looks good on screen. Yeah. <laughs> and Alison Janning's the same way, especially when she tears into the technician, the the, the ultrasound woman. They're getting yeah. The, yeah, the ultrasound technician. Academy Award winner Alison Janney. And listen, you know. I mean, the cast. You know I love Alice and Janney. She's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. she's so good in everything. Good. I mean, the cast is stacked. Like, the yes. main cast in this movie is, is pretty stacked. I feel like indie movies around this time, they had up-and-coming sort of actors. Not that J.K. Simmons or Alice and Janney were up-and-comings, mm-hmm. but like... Big timers willing to not slum it, but like J- Jennifer Garner take some hits to the paycheck to be in something that they really mm-hmm. liked and believed in. Yeah. The pork swords on the track team were achieved by hanging balls from the inside waistbands of the shorts. Uh, director Reitman then asked the boys to kick up their knees as they ran so the balls would bounce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fucking funny. <laughs> uh, according to Reitman, in the final scene where Vanessa's drinking, it was real wine. When they finished shooting the scene, Jennifer Garner was a little bit drunk. Uh, and then a couple more before I... Actually, you know what? I'm going to do these recastings because these last two are pretty good. So a recasting for the title. It was originally going to be titled Junebug, but was changed so it wouldn't be confused with the Amy Adams film in uh-huh. 2005. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brad Silberling was originally set to direct huh. but left over creative differences. Hmm. So, listener, just just if you remember, Brad Silberling did uh, Casper and Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. I think both films we've done for the show now. Oh, uh, yeah, we have. Did we do wow. Casper? Pretty we sure we did yeah. Casper. We did Casper. I would have not oh, have seen it. Oh, we did do Casper, yeah. 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 Olivia Thurlby uh, originally auditioned for the lead, but was eventually cast as Leah, the best friend. I thought it was funny because I'd forgotten she was in this, and I frankly forgot that she existed. Yeah. But when I saw her here, I thought, oh, you know what I haven't seen in a long time that I really liked? Dread with Carl Urban. But I think she did a great job playing stupid teenager friend. Perfect. Yes, yeah. like, she does a great perfect. job of that. Yeah. Just completely clueless, just aged. That, that teenager uh-huh. is just in yeah. their own yes. world. Yes, very much so. Okay, so these last two fun facts I have are, they're very good. I feel like they're some of the best fun facts that I've had. They're Italian hand motion. <laughs> yeah, in an interview with The Guardian in May of 2018, Diablo Cody said that the one thing she would have changed about the film was to make it clear as to why Juno chooses not to have an abortion. She said it was simply because she did not want to. It was not about any type of feeling that abortion was wrong. I'm pro-choice. She went on to say that the fact that some people have 
interpreted the movie as anti-choice is upsetting. Well, I I wouldn't. I, so that actually is interesting because it goes back to what I brought up earlier. I don't think the movie is anti-choice because it is her choice to have the kid, and I mean, that's yeah, and that's yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. bad. That's the point of the choice. And there's even that bit where after she's had the kid and J.K. Simmons says, one day you'll be back here on your terms. And Sarah mm-hmm. and I were watching and she said, well, it kind of was her terms. And it absolutely was. It's just mm-hmm. her terms in this situation. When it wasn't an accident, when it was a purposeful pregnancy. Yes, yes. Yeah. I definitely never thought this movie was anti-choice by any means. I mean, there are people who are anti-choice that would, I know probably my parents, would really take this as an anti-choice film. Right, yeah. Yeah, but those people, I feel like they're, one, they, they don't, they only, they grasp the things that they want to grasp, yeah. right? Like yeah. they read yeah. the things that they oh, want to read and only those things. you're preaching to the choir, things. buddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like they're not, I don't know, they, they, because the film doesn't treat the decision as good or bad. It's just a decision. Yes, yes. You know? Like yeah. she, there isn't besides like the the classmate that's outside protesting and tells her about the fingernails. Yeah, nobody in there is like, I can't believe you're gonna go. I can't believe you're not. You know this or that. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, oh, you're gonna yeah. make, you make a decision and then she makes it and then everyone's like, okay, well that's that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, yeah. So this is my final one. After the box office success and gaining a large following, Reitman was asked by executives on the possibility of doing a sequel, to which he <laughs> stated, "What could it possibly be? Gino gets pregnant again," and uh-huh. concluded that the story of Gino was complete. Yeah. but the 2018 movie Tully, which was again a Diablo Cody written film, mm-hmm. and Reitman directed, with Charlize Theron as the lead, yeah. was portedly a sequel script for Juno, which was later turned into a film to star Charlize. Hmm. I only know that that movie is supposed to be fairly harrowing. Yes. And uh, yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. It makes you uh, really not want to have children. Hmm. Yeah, I've never seen that one. It's basically about a mom with two children. Or no, two children and just had a third and kind of like her journey with her new nanny. Mm, Yeah. Interesting. I think when it came out, I was aware of basically it was a a stressful child, a stressful movie about having children. Mm. I was like, I don't need to see that. And you were like, oh, not for me. I was yeah. like, Definitely I, I can already me. assume the the amount of stress. I don't need to see it. Yeah. I mean, it gets a little, I don't want to say like sci-fi-y, but there's like some thought to it down mm-hmm. like the road. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's a clever movie. It's not an Andy Darling kind of like Juno. Mm. There is some like trippiness to it mm-hmm. once you get to the end of the film. Interesting. Which is kind of a spoiler because I didn't realize that until I get to the end of the film and I'm just like, oh well, shit! What the fuck? That's what that movie was about. <laughs> God damn it. Now I'm never gonna watch it. I mean, you, I don't think you would want to. It's a, it's a very lady film. Hey, ladies. Johnny and I are in touch with our feminine sides. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> No, watch it. <laughs> we're so in touch. Well, we're just like, you know what? Not for me. <laughs> okay, gentlemen, then does Juno hold up? Yes, I would say absolutely yes. I think watching it now, if you hadn't seen it, like if somebody was watching it now for the first time, it might give them a great sense of cringe because it is yeah. a very cringy movie. Yes. But I think the cringe adds to it because it is about adolescence and adolescence is very cringe. Yeah. The mm-hmm. whole experience of it. It's an honest, cringy feeling. Yeah, it could damage it. I feel like it only, it adds to it yeah. in this case. And I yeah. think it's very sweet and it's funny and you, the characters all behave naturalistically mm-hmm. I think is the, you know, it, where it's like, yeah, like this is the way kids would deal with the situation. Yeah, it's not overbaked you know? drama by any means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's not overly sentimental either. Right. 
but there is sentimentality to it. Mm-hmm. I think it works. They blended it perfectly together. Diablo Cody and Jason Reitman made a solid film. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. I think it stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amy, what do you? how do you feel? I do think it still holds up, although I don't enjoy it as much as I remember enjoying it in my youth, mm-hmm. 16 years ago or however long it's been. Yeah. But I think it's still a good time capsule of that time period and also it does really deal well with some very very heavy stuff in a very lighthearted way yeah joe i think the movie is very sweet very warm very heartfelt really well made and good but it's a movie that i don't enjoy watching mm-hmm. if that if like you would never watch it again i don't think yeah. i will no because it's just you just don't, don't get any joy either. from it it does not spark joy oh I mean, I would watch it if somebody wants to, but it wouldn't be like my first choice to watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If somebody was like, oh, I haven't seen Juno, and then I, I would be like, oh, well, it's pretty good. Do you want to watch it? Mm. I would probably Yeah, my, I mean, I wouldn't say no to it, to it mm-hmm. but it's not well, like something that I would actively be like, oh, let's go watch Juno. Yeah, yeah. As I'm saying. So like, I'm saying if you had that conversation with somebody, you would not be like, let's watch it. You would be like, eh, it's whatever. And then you'd move on. No. I'd be like, if you want to watch it, I'll watch it with you. No, 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 that's not the question. I think maybe, Amy, you might fall into the same category with me, which is if somebody says, oh, Juno, I haven't seen that. I would say, it's good. And I just leave it at that. Yeah. The high yeah. pitch well, part yeah, is important. I, I guess I'm saying like, if somebody, if somebody suggests watching it, I will watch it with them. Mm. But it's not a movie that I would pick out if someone says, hey, what do you want to watch? Yeah, it's like, it's Friday night. You want to watch a movie? Yeah, sure. What do you want to watch? Not Juno. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, if it was on the list of titles, and if, depending on what else was on that list, like I, I'd be like, yeah, I'll be that one. I'm not against it. It's definitely, especially if somebody had. I feel like if somebody hadn't seen it, I would want them to see it if they were interested in seeing. It. Mm-hmm. Like if they were like, mm-hmm. oh, is this any good? I'd be like, yes, let's watch it. Right yeah. Now. Well, listener, what do you think? Have you seen Juno? Did you enjoy it? Did you not? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram at nostalgitis, n o s t a l g i t i s, or nostalgiaeffectpod at gmail dot com. Don't forget to be kind and rewind. And also use protection. Yes, <laughs> please use protection. We don't need more kids. Use a <laughs> raspberry pie condoms if you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>